Yeah, well, I did everything wrong in 2022, let me tell you. So all of my personal experience was in wholesale distribution, like very like traditional distributor, get into Whole Foods and like get your stuff on trucks. And so that's how I like had modeled out Little Saints growth. And I vastly underestimated the disconnect between the consumer demand for non-alcoholic drinks and alcohol distributors. Welcome to The Irresistible Factor, a podcast where I talk to founders and investors and retailers about what it takes to launch successful brands, from developing a compelling proposition and brand identity, to raising capital, to getting distribution, and more. My name is Christy Bridges, and I'm a marketing expert with tons of experience and a true love for all things health and wellness. Welcome to today's episode of The Irresistible Factor. I am so happy to welcome Megan Klein, who is the founder of Little Saints, which is a non-alcoholic cocktail brand, which there is plenty of talk about, especially at this time of year. So welcome to the podcast, Megan. I'm really, really excited to have you talk about this brand. Thank you, Christy. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. So why don't you give us a little bit of background on first the company and then how you decided that this was going to be your path, because it's obviously a really interesting category, but probably also really challenging. Sure. So I first, you know, started thinking about this about three years ago because it was dry January, 2021. I had tried every other dry January for at least 15 years before that. And I always failed miserably. Actually, I would start out like really successfully. And then around like January 17th, 20th, sometimes the 10th, I would quit because I had been like so, you know, strict with what I was eating and drinking. And I just was like, ah, I'm going to go have some drinks. And there were no good alternatives out then. So by 2021, like deep pandemic, you know, that was like when the non-alk industry seemed to like really kind of take off. And the first time I could find alcohol alternatives. So I bought everything out there. I had my whole, I was living alone in Detroit during the pandemic. (laughs) And I had a kitchen table full of like everything that was out there. And, you know, while there were like some great brands for sure, from my perspective, I was like, oh, okay, everything has sugar in it. And at that point I thought, well, if I'm going to have sugar, I'm just going to drink alcohol. And then I thought, you know, also nothing had a smell to it. And I'm like a big person on scents. And I know that's one of the reasons we grab for alcohol because we like the way it smells and we remember the you know positive experience we had the last time we smelled that smell. And then also, you know, nothing had like anything that was like really super functional in the way I wanted to, like, cause I always take functional mushrooms and adaptogens and my, you know, daytime drinks. And I just wanted to put that into nighttime. So I did that dry January successfully, but wasn't totally satisfied with any of the non-alcoholic drinks I was drinking. And so that's what started the path to creating Little Saints. So, I mean, I think that's super interesting and also really ambitious, but talk about your background too, because you didn't have no experience. Creating oh, no, no, so- I was lucky. I was really yeah. lucky. I knew how to make things. So I had run food and beverage startups in the plant-based space before this. So I wasn't one of the founders of it, but I was president of Farmed Here, which is a now closed, but it was totally amazing. It was a vertical hydroponic basil farm outside of Chicago. And we grew basil and microgreens in a warehouse. And then we used our like ugly basil to make salad dressings. And so that was the first brand that I helped to build that brand. And we ended up, I have the privilege as a founder of having my you know, fail every week. Right. But like my big failure, like we shut down a company, we shut down that in 
the December of 2017. And then we started, no, December of 2016. And then I founded the national plant-based foods brand field at Farmer. So they make, you know, plant-based dips and dressings and bars. And we also used to do juices. So I led product development on the marketing side for that. I always worked with a food scientist and like a team, but I was like the marketer on those. So I knew what to do. So like after that dry January experiment, you know, as anyone who's passionate about product development is like that too. Like I was like, oh my God, I can make something, you know, after kind of having that experience. So talk a little bit about like, so you wanted something for yourself, right? Tell me about the whole thought process of creating the brand and, and deciding what to make and how to market it. So I knew that I wanted to really work with like experts in adaptogens and mushrooms and like the neuroscience of like why we drink to really create these things. So the first thing I did was I found, you know, I'd worked with a food scientist at Field and Farmer and I wanted to find one that had like specifically an adaptogen background. So I worked with a food scientist with her master's in adaptogens who had worked a lot with like adaptogens and mushrooms and beverages and gummies. And then I also you know, I consulted with some neuroscientists on the neuroscience of drinking and why we drink. You know, I learned a lot during that time. Like we drink alcohol because it drops us into our parasympathetic nervous system and it makes us feel relaxed. And so, you know, people are, we are as a society, like we have been relying on that for like hundreds and hundreds of years that like take the edge off feeling. And so I wanted to mimic that like first sip of wine feeling through some sort of like functional ingredients. So Little Saints first, it was always to have mushrooms in it, you know, but Little Saints first iteration, um, our first things that we launched were our plant magic mocktails. And the functional blend was a blend of CBD. So we used nano CBD. It's no longer in Little Saints, but we launched with CBD, reishi mushroom, and then terpenes, which are aromatics. They are like the smell that lifts our mood. So that blend together was what we came up with our food scientists and like, you know, our neuroscience advisors. And because I have spent a lot of time in the jungle and, you know, I told you my purpose is to spread the love of nature through what I do with little saints. We also consulted with the sacred plant medicine shaman on the like emotional properties of the plant. So came up with that functional blend of the CBD and the reishi and the terpene and that blend was made to give you that first sip of wine feeling. It talked about like what my favorite cocktails were and I wanted them to be sugar-free and we kind of built off that. So should someone who drinks this expect to feel something that's different than drinking a, a water or soda? They should. So, you know, it's different for each person, but I want to talk about the evolution. So in the beginning, okay. everyone's really familiar with like what CBD does, you know, it like gives you that take the edge off feeling. It can like relax you. And like, I learned a lot from our neuroscience advisors that you will feel that like take the edge off feeling the most if you are stressed out. We've done a lot of testing. So I launched Little Saints in the summer of 2020 in Detroit, 2021 in Detroit. And we you know, I did hundreds of tastings. I talked to thousands of people and got feedback from them on how they felt. And like, you know, generally it's kind of the same as like alcohol, really. Like if you're like really stressed out and like you have a sip of wine and you're like, oh my God, thank God. Like you're gonna, it's not gonna feel as pronounced with Little Saints, but the whole point is that like, there is some sort of like a mood shift because you have drank it. 
And in the current formulation that is caused by the the reishi mushrooms, you know, CBD has a lot of problems associated with it that have nothing to do with the formulation. Like everyone thought that the safe banking act was going to happen. You know, we had to like have a different bank. We couldn't have the Shopify payment processor. Like we couldn't get into whole foods and there were always a lot of problems with it. And then on top of that, we are always getting feedback from our customers. And we learned that that wasn't even the reason that they were buying it. Of course, some people were buying Little Saints because of the CBD, but the vast, vast majority of people were buying Little Saints because of the taste and because they were sugar-free and because they could feel something. So like all we really wanted to do was like, okay, let's just like find something that has that same effect. And you know, our neuroscience advisors had told us that CBD and reishi mushroom are actually like quite similar in the way they interact in the body and like interact with our nervous system. So we just found a much, much better form of reishi mushroom than we were using in the first place. Like we use like a, the most potent reishi on the market. It's like, a <laughs> gets super sciencey, but it's a 70% beta glucan, you know, potency and it's extracted with ultrasound and it's like really clean and effective. And so once we found that it, there was really no reason to keep the CBD. Mm-hmm. And talk about what's happened since you, like, have you had any challenges that, I mean, we could talk about challenges, I'm sure all day. But <laughs> well, how much time do you have? I, I know, because I just being a founder of anything, that's what happens. But this is really different, right? This is to me, this is different and better than a regular non-alcoholic substitute because there's something in it that makes you feel something. And I fully in support of functional everything. So talk about how that's gone for you. Is it a really niche audience who understands that? Or are you able to get to the broader, I just don't want to drink right now audience? I would say most of like our customers are within the broader, I want to drink less audience. You know, like the statistics are like 90% of people are that are buying this are also buying alcohol. And so I think like most people are in the, I do not want to drink. And from what we've learned, like the functionality is kind of like, it's like, oh, awesome, that too. And that also like justifies our price point because we're definitely on the high end of the non-alcoholic cans and the non-alcoholic spirit. So the functional seems to sort of justify the price point. Having said that, we are mushroom fanatics ourselves and many of our customers are mushroom fanatics and people who love mushrooms like love mushrooms. So there is definitely a subset of people that like, gets excited about our mushroom sourcing. It's also, I didn't mention, it's also like USDA organic too. So it's it's like the most premium mushroom you can get. So some people geek out on that and seek us out because of the mushrooms. But, you know, from what we understand, it's mostly the taste. What have the past two years been like for you guys from a launch perspective? How did you go about getting distribution? How are you dealing? I mean, everyone's got challenges on the supply chain side, but first distribution must've been a big challenge. Beverage is so challenging to begin with. And this is something that's a little bit different. Yeah. Well, I did everything wrong in 2022. Let me tell you. So all of my personal experience was in wholesale distribution, like very like traditional distributor, get into Whole Foods and like get your stuff on trucks. And so that's how I like had modeled out Little Saints growth. And I vastly underestimated the disconnect between the consumer demand for non-alcoholic drinks and alcohol distributors. And so in 2022, I got a contract with like a major that will not be named alcohol distributor in California. I had the right salesperson, like had the right support on the ground, and we could just not get the distributor to fulfill orders. Like the distribution channel, I mean, we would have gone out of business. And so we were spinning our wheels and then 
you know, in the end of 2022, we were like, okay, I mean, I bought my stuff back from the distributor, like the person that I had hired quit because he was like, this is so frustrating. Like I can't get any traction here despite like people wanting it. And so we totally pivoted and in 2023, we became an e-com company. And we did 90% of our revenue on Shopify in 2023. We grew 325% from 2022 to 2023. And we, you know, it really accomplished all of our goals. Like we wanted to build a community and have direct relationships with our customers. So we were able to do that. We built our email list. And so now we're not reliant on wholesale distribution. We do have some great accounts, you know, like we, Boisson is our like main retail partner. So we love them. We're with them. We're at... Erewhon and we're at like a lot of independents. We've got some cool hospitality partnerships like MML and Standard in New York. We've got like some really good placements, but uh, you know, it's still the vast majority of our sales are e-com. That wasn't obviously what you thought you would be doing. And now it is. And is it sustainable no. growth perspective for you guys? Like, do you feel that you can continue on that path, like from the majority of your sales and still grow? We definitely are in 2024, we want to see a higher percentage of wholesale sales. You know, like we're working with Boisson Distribution. We just launched distribution in Miami. So we are focusing on it, but like in very targeted markets, like in New York, Miami, and LA. That's awesome. So not going too broad. Which I think makes a ton of sense because as I'm sure you know, and this has tripped up so many people who are in the CPG space, if you don't support your distribution, it you won't last anyway, right? So you've got to find ways to support it, which means what you just said, starting really small. And um, and how how has that been for you? I mean, obviously, e-com is great because it's all you, right? You get to control everything and, the, and understand all your data. And it's different with distributors, right? Because then you don't have as much access to that stuff. I love having an econ company. Like you have yeah. so much visibility into your yes. business at all times. Like I can look on it at any minute and see like, what our average order value is, like, you know, what our reporting customer rate is. We can interact with our customers. You know, we have like a consistently growing email base. We have a community that we can test our new products with. Like we sent out, like when we took the CBD out of the cans, we sent, you know, like little sample packs to our top, like 100, 150 or so customers, like of the cans. And we're like, we hope you like these. And everyone, you know, we didn't get any bad responses. So that felt good. Like we've got feel like it's just the having never had an e-com company before. It's just like great how much how many touch points you can have with your customers and like really incorporate their feedback into your next iterations. It's so interesting because you did the opposite of what a lot of people did post-COVID, right? A lot of brands, and this is for really good reasons, a lot of brands fell off a cliff from an e-com perspective post-COVID, but not you guys, because this is the way you needed to have your product distributed. I just think it's interesting because you dove into that place where people were sort of backing up and saying, wait, everything can't be e-com anymore. People are back in the stores. So, I mean, it's not really a question. It's just interesting that while everyone else was sort of pulling back from that, you guys just jumped right into it. Well, yeah. I mean, that's what I had thought sort of in 2022. I was like, oh, well, like we're no one's going to buy beverages on e-com. I think we're also lucky that we are really riding a, you know, wave of people that also drank too much during the pandemic and they don't necessarily want to quit. They just want an alternative. So like, yeah. I think, you know, this is the first company that I've run that like, just there's so many inbound requests. You can tell that like people really want to like experience the category. What's the thing that surprised you the most in a positive way with this brand? What surprised me in a positive way was like how much organic love we get. 
Mm-hmm. Like on social media, I, you know, in the beginning I was paying a lot for PR because again, that's like the traditional model. Like you pay for yes. PR and you get wholesale and all that stuff. And I was like, oh my Lord, like I love our PR people, but we were like spending so much money and time, like sending out things and like, you know, like kind of begging for love. And then yes. we just cut it. I know this is like the constant thing in marketing, like what is the ROI and PR, but yep. you know, then we cut it out and we kind of just like launched our own campaigns based on like, so, or sort of the idea of like drink mushrooms, skip the hangover. Mm-hmm. And we definitely spend money on meta ads, but like we got so many inbound, like people were posting about it without us like paying or doing anything. Like that is the most surprising thing to me is like how much people love the category. And luckily how much people love little saints to want to post about it and like, you know, spread the love to their friends on their own. Yeah, that's interesting and exciting. I mean, that's not the usual experience for brands. And I'm also curious about, I mean, there's a definitely a movement away from alcohol to some degree, but then also toward other kinds of things. Like I think the legalization obviously of, of marijuana has helped people or 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 encouraged people to find other alternatives to alcohol. And I wonder how much that's helped you guys. Do you feel like there's anything to do with it? I do. And because we'll talk about that a lot in the sales pitching that we do to like bars and nightclubs and like restaurants that rely on a lot of alcohol sales, you know, like the, I'm going to get these numbers slightly wrong, but it's somewhere in the 50 percentiles of like Gen X drink, like regularly, it's like in the low forties for millennials and it's in the low twenties for Gen Z. So like people are just drinking less, but they're still going out, you know, like Gen Z, for example, is like still going to house of yes in New York and dancing. They're just probably either doing nothing or they're like probably using some sort of like plant medicine or, you know, drugs or something. And, you know, they don't want to drink alcohol alongside those things. They actually like really prioritize their mental health and they know that like mixing, you know, medicines, let's just call them and alcohol is like not a good thing. And so instead of, you know, having these people like just pay for waters, like it's like, it's like way better to be able to like serve like something that feels like it looks like a cocktail just doesn't have alcohol in it. And you also have bottles of your, your non-alcoholic spirits. Talk about that a little bit. Is that new? Did you yeah. launch with it's that? It's like my labor of love. It's my favorite product I've ever made. It's called St. Ember. We launched it in May and it's an agave spirit alternative. It was like inspired by the flavors of like a Tobola, which is like a light floral kind of spicy mezcal. Um, it is definitely not a one to one to one to a mezcal. It doesn't have that like burning tires, like blah, feeling to it, but I wanted to really get the smell and like a little bit of a throat burn experience. So it's really different from the little saints cans, which are, you know, citrus and they're sweetened with monk fruit. So they're not like overly sweet, but they're like citrus and sweet. There's the Negroni that's bitter, but they're still like light and sessionable. And the St. Ember is really meant to be like, you could mix it like a mezcal or a tequila in a cocktail. It has like, it's got a great nose. So it has Palo Santo extract in it. We have a great relationship with a forest in Northern Peru, where we like import the raw Palo Santo oil directly from them. They harvest the you know, Palo Santo from only dead and fallen trees. So, um, you know, I'm a a nature fanatic. So we really like, we like worked with them directly and created this extract, like based on their partnership and the availability of what they could get us. 
Then we blend it. So the cans have reishi mushroom in them and the spirit has lion's mane. So lion's mane is a little bit more like, it's like usually used for cognitive function and focus and like Mm -hmm. really feels to me like I've like turned my brain on. Like we'll drink it in the office here, like 4 a.m. with our slump. And like at like 4 30, we're like, whoa, we're ready to like go. It's like kind of like a little bit more, it's not like a caffeine upper, but it's a little bit more of like a brain buzzy, like let's like like talk and get creative. And so, and it was, it's a different form factor. So it's a a glass bottle that you would like mix into a cocktail. So it's really fun. We've worked with like a lot of great bartenders that have like created innovative cocktails out of it. And, you know, that was always my dream. Like I love going into dark bars and having like a great cocktail. And so you can really use St. Ember just to, you know, make a great cocktail, just like you would in a, you know, fancy cocktail bar. And the Palo Santo extract, is that functional or is that just for flavor or scent or it's for scent i mean palo santo has been used for many many years um to like kind of clear negative energy it's like what you smell in yoga studios would be the most common thing it's like known as holy wood it's like you know clears negative energy so if you believe in that type of thing like i do it is functional but like from you know more of a supplemental state like it's really the lion's mane that's the functional ingredient And smell, of course, you can really smell. It has like a really amazing scent to it. It doesn't only taste like the burning Palo Santo. Actually, Palo Santo wood has notes of fennel and mint in it. So it has Mm -hmm. this smell like you really can't place and that, you know, smell lifts our mood too. It's interesting. It smells a little smoky. Well, I mean, obviously it's smoky, right? But it smells a little bit like, I want to say a bourbon or a, like it smells like a whiskey to me in a way. Like I'm, And I don't know if I'm just attributing it because of the bottle, but I'm definitely smelling the smokiness of it. You know, we associate like woody smells with Mm -hmm. alcohol. So Mm -hmm. like the Palo Santo is in there. And then, you know, part of the, like the flavors that are derived from botanicals, there's a lot of like pepper in there. Yep. So that might give you some of that too. So interesting. So tell me about your growth plan. Like what do you want to see happen with the brand? So you had a 2022 of learning. Where you did a bunch of stuff work. <laughs> Which 2022 was- when I was like self-funding the business and I thought we were going to go out of business. Okay. And then 2023, we bounced back. And now going into 2024. So first of all, you bounced back because of e-com and was there anything else that you did that was like really important for people to know? Yeah. I mean, from founder to founder, anyone who's listening, we like cut out everything that was not serving us. Like we, and I love all of the partners that we worked with, but we were working with a social media agency and we were working with a PR agency. And like, we were not seeing the results that we wanted. And we felt like we were spending as much time like managing the agencies Mm -hmm. and like responding to their requests that we were like, then we could have just done it on our own. And like, we were just not seeing the ROI and like, you know, we're a small company. We were like, you know, just doing over like six figures a month at that time. And it was just like, I think we can do this on our own. So I have an amazing head of marketing and we just kind of were like, you know what, let's just like scale everything back and see how far we can get on our own. And like, at what point we plateau before we need to start adding those services back in, because, you know, like most brands, like we're all about like whatever is authentic to us. And I just felt like we wanted to like spend some time, like actually in the Instagram and like actually emailing our customers and like getting to know what was making people tick and what felt super authentic to the brand before we kind of sourced it out again. So we let everything go in June and like actually in July, we launched the St. Ember. Like we started doing like our digital ads with it and we grew the business by 50%. Amazing. And we sustained that group growth throughout the whole year. 
And then we had our best month in December, but by November, we kind of were like, okay, like this might be our plateau point. This might be all that like two people and like some contractors can do. So we then, you know, hired an in-house social media person and we like are bringing some things back, but it was so helpful to us to just like really get a hold of the business. And like, you know, it helps when you have doers on your team. Like I do, we were like, let's just do this ourselves and like see what's working and then we can build from there. So anyways, this year we're building, you know, I'll be raising a series A soon. Um, Our numbers are really good and we've got some really good interest in it. And we are projecting to grow, you know, 350% this year. And that growth will come from a lot of things we couldn't do with CBD. So we just dropped CBD in December. So now we can add Amazon, we can add fair, we can add like retail accounts like Whole Foods. We can like really expand our digital advertising. We can do Google ads. Like there's like a whole world out there, thankfully, that's now available to us. So there's going to be a lot of growth in like digital and retail channels, like just by virtue of taking out CBD. And we have a really great product roadmap for this year. So we're going to be launching like new flavors of the cans and new spirit. How many flavors do you have now? We have four can flavors and one spirit. Okay. And what's making you feel like you need to expand the flavors? We are going to do limited editions of things. Well, two things. Like number one, like there's a little bit of people love them, but you know, people want to see something new. I personally like love brands where they're like, Hey, here's like a new drop. I love what this brand does. Like I'm going to try like a new thing and we love to innovate. And so all we did in 2023 was we launched the, like the spirit and we like took CBD out of the cans, but this year, you know, we'll launch things as limited, we'll launch cans as limited editions, like with new functional blends and new flavors. I want to keep it secret, but it'll be super fun. And like, we'll see what sticks. So like, if people really like a flavor, maybe we'll like add it to the list, but like at the very minimum, we're going to just do like a limited release and see how it goes. And then, you know, non-alcoholic spirits saw the biggest growth according to Drizzly in 2023. And like, we mix our say number with like everything and we just find them so versatile. And so we've got a really, really great idea for a spirit that we're going to launch in the second half of the year. Awesome. When you talk about functional or is it all the same from a functional perspective? Slightly. Nope. Nope. We're going to do like a new functional blend on the cans and we're going to have a slightly different functional blend on the spirit. And are you guys feeling like you need to educate or is that happening just because people are raising their hands and saying, I don't want to drink as much alcohol and I'm going to figure this out. Are you feeling like you're, you're sort of riding a wave or are you creating a category and a way of approaching a category that doesn't already exist? I think where we're really like educating and innovating is in our use of like mushrooms specifically, like really like potent functional mushrooms in a very sophisticated, like culinary spirit, you know, like we've worked a lot on our flavors as you noted. So thanks, but we're really like the education comes on the mushroom. Like, of course we still get like, you know, it's just like in our Instagram DMs, like it's not psilocybin. It doesn't get you high. These are like functional mushrooms that have been like used for years and years in supplements. And now we are bringing them to a beverage there certainly is some confusion about like, do these mushrooms get you high? I would say like that is like, you know, like real differentiating factor. And also of course, where we like need to do the most education. Okay. Interesting. And how do you plan to like continue marketing? Like, what do you guys do from that perspective when you launch something new? Like when you launched the St. Ember, when you're about to launch new flavors, how do you approach that? 
that has been evolving because we used to go the traditional route and have a, like a PR launch and like do PR. And then like, if it wasn't coming back right away, we'd get upset. So like we're doing a lot more of like community building. Like I mentioned, like we sent out all the reishi cans to our like top customers. We will like continue to kind of give our like top customers, like our first look at new products. And just like, we've got some really cool campaigns coming up in 2024, just really like leveraging the power of like super interesting, unordinary people that like, like non-alcoholic drinks and like little saints and let them kind of tell the stories of it. I think that's fantastic. What else do you want to share? Is there any advice? I always ask this at the end of any, any podcast, what would you say are the two or three things that founders need to know, or that you wish you had known when you were starting this brand? going to sound really basic, but I would say like when you are as passionate about something as any founder is like really trust your intuition and don't get swayed too much by like too many cooks in the kitchen. Like when I started Little Saints, I was like, oh, I don't have any beverage alcohol experience. Like I'm not like a celebrity founder. Like I need like so much help. And of course, like feedback is like my number one thing. Like we're always getting it, but I surrounded myself wide of with like too many people and like the message started to get really mixed up. And that was all of, you know, for the reason that I was not feeling secure in my own abilities to be like a strong founder. And so I would say, you know, like trust yourself, like it takes a lot to start a brand. And I wish I would have sort of listened to my intuition more, especially in 2022 and 23, 2023, when I really started doing this, when we really started growing. Yeah. I think that's interesting. It's hard, right? Because you don't know what you don't know. And you, I think it's really hard to have the confidence, but almost everyone I talk to who goes back to themselves eventually, because right, there's going to be, if you talk to 10 people, you will absolutely have 10 opinions. And how are you supposed to know, aside from trusting yourself, what the right ones are? You really can't tell. And I don't mean to think like that. It sounds like I only listen to myself. Like I've listened to my customers more than like, I listen to customers more than like sort of like advisors and PR and like agencies kind of telling me what to do. Trust your intuition. And when you're still small, make sure you have a team of doers. Yeah. Like no one on the team can just be telling you, you need to hire an agency. Like that does not like work out. Like you, the founder can hire an agency if that's like the route you want to go. But like, when you have a small team, like I'm really lucky to have surrounded myself with like a team of doers. We all think it's fun. You know, it's like definitely like not, we're building back. It's not, it gets to be not sustainable at a certain point, but I think that's why we've been able to like build such a loyal following because it's really us. Like I am responding to your DMs. It's not like sustainable long-term, but we've learned so much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope it's not right. That's the hope. At some point you have to say, okay, I can't do it anymore because that means you've done a lot of things right. And then the other question I had, I remembered was about raising money in this climate. How are you feeling about that? Because it has been, this is probably, I think 2023 was probably the hardest year as far as what I've been seeing for raising capital, just because it got so tight and so opposite of let's say 2020, where there was money everywhere or 2019. How are you feeling about going through a raise? Um, I feel good because my numbers are better than they ever have been before. Yeah. And like not only doing well as a brand, but the category grew. I mean, Drizzly said that like the non-all category grew 62% last year. So like, I think that we are in the right subcategory within beverage, if there is one to be raising capital. Yes. And then the second is honestly, like I learned a lot. This might sound a little too woo for this podcast, but like I ra- I still raised a million and a half dollars last year. I did founders roll up vehicles through AngelList and I 
I'm a really big proponent of making fundraising equitable. So I raised it mostly through um, smaller checks from women, actually, rather than like going the VC route. I will go the VC route for Series A, and I will just take that same energy into it that I really learned through the process, which is like, you know, not only are our numbers good, but like our brand and I am like deserving of this and like really just like going at it with that energy rather than going at it with the energy of like, oh shoot, the fundraising climate is bad. Like, I'm not going to be able to do this. This is going to be impossible. I just like, I know that we're going to be able to do it and I'm going to like just approach everything with that mindset. Amazing. Well, I am so excited to see what happens with you guys. I think it's an incredible brand. I love your story. I think it's really cool that you've got this sort of functional side that isn't probably super appealing to all the people. There'll definitely be people who are really interested in it. I think it's really cool. I'm rooting for you. So I want to stay in touch and see how you guys do. Yeah, I would love to. Thank you so much, Christy. I really appreciate this conversation. I love meeting you. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to The Irresistible Factor. I'm Christy Bridges, and I can't wait to see you next Wednesday.